Sick Boy Podcast is a health and comedy show about what it's like to be sick. Wait, is that right? How can illness be funny? You'd be surprised. Okay. Sick Boy is hosted by me, Brian Stever. And me, Taylor McGilvery. And myself, Jeremy Saunders. Come on in and join us to melt your heart, learn something fascinating, and bust a belly laugh. Trust us, you'll be glad you did. You can find Sick Boy on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your pods. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Peter Oldring. And I'm Pat Kelly. And you're listening to This Is That, the show that brings you stories you won't hear anywhere else. News. Are you people mad? This gives me great grief. Fake news. The very thought of that offends me. It's a terrible idea. Documentary. Oh, I just love the idea. Come on. Interviews. I just couldn't believe my ears. This is that. Over the past several years, national parks have had their budgets slashed significantly, which is why they're thinking about implementing a new program that would help them increase revenue. Out of necessity, national parks are considering charging a fee should you happen to see any wildlife. Joining us on the line is a spokesperson for the parks, Mr. Keith Fricker. Hello, Mr. Fricker. Hi, how are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for being on the program. Well, it's a pleasure to join you. Thank you. So tell us a little bit more about where this uh, idea came from. Uh, why might you start charging people a fee for seeing animals in, in national parks? Yes, right. Uh, it's no surprise to Canadians that uh, Parks Canada's budget has been significantly slashed. Uh, and so what that means is uh, we have to find ways to raise money. Uh, at a think tank meeting that happened at Jasper Park Lodge in June, which was a spectacular weekend, I can tell you, uh, it was tabled forward uh, that we are sitting on a gold mine in our parks. Uh, what we're talking about specifically is the wildlife, our spectacular animals. And uh, what we are saying is that if you are to view an actual animal in our parks, uh, there's going to be a fee associated. That's all. Just a, a, a fee for seeing these spectacular animals. Okay, okay, so just to be clear, if I'm out in a national park and I, I happen to stumble upon a moose, right. I will then have to pay a fee for seeing that right. animal? At, okay, yeah. Let, yes, that's, that's what we're toying with, yes. That if you, look, How are you going to enforce that? Yeah, okay. First of all, it's Parks Canada. Mm-hmm. So uh, what that means is that we rely heavily, heavily on the honor system. And, and so this is no different. What it means is that most trailheads, there will be a, simply a cash box. Uh, you will be asked at the end of your hike, you know, just check off on a small paper envelope what animals you saw. And then you just put in the corresponding money. So uh, maybe you saw a snow leopard. Wow! Good for you. I, mean, I hope you were safe. Uh, you would simply put in the, let me find out here, 1675. 1675 for a snow leopard. Now, obviously, you can't solely rely on the honor system. So we have our uh, park wardens and rangers are authorized uh, to simply approach visitors to the parks and say, uh, have you seen any wildlife? Oh, you did. Good for you. Are you familiar with uh, the new payment system? Well, let me check your phone. Let me see your camera. What have you seen? Oh, it's a herd of elk. Well, that's. let me count how many we're seeing here. Okay, so how much would these sightings cost? Right. Okay, well, let me just, this is, and I, this is in no particular order. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, the black bear, that's uh, 1475 
beaver. Uh, that's an $11 charge, uh, depending on the size and sex of the beaver. Uh, mule deer, that's a $7 charge. Full-grown elk, that's an $11 charge. Okay, uh, okay the, so they're all, it's all hovering around $10 then for each Well, it, no, I mean, I've, there's obviously some, a woodpecker, that's $1.50, so... Okay, and you don't think that this would deter people from coming to the parks? I mean, what if you're, no, what no. If you're somebody who just wants to enjoy the park, go for a hike, and, and you're not interested in paying a fee to see any other well, animals who are there for okay. exercise? What do those people do? Well, first of all, I would suggest, you know, keep your head down. Don't, don't go looking for animals. And, and, and look, if you accidentally see a Canadian lynx, is $7 too much to pay to have seen that? Likely, I don't think, likely not. You know, but our hands are tied. We, we, this isn't something we want to do. This is something we have to do. Uh, if we don't find a way... Uh, to actually raise revenue that we can put directly back into these parks, then we're going to see some of our beloved national parks simply disappear. So if that means paying $3 to see a snowy owl and an additional $1.50 if you get a picture, I think Canadians are fine with that. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Fricker. It'll be certainly interesting to see if this gets uh, implemented. Well, I certainly appreciate the time, and if, in fact, we do follow through with this program, we will be starting with a two-for-one price on black bears. Well, thank you very much. I thank you. When the story you just heard originally aired, we received a lot of feedback. Here's what real people had to say about having to pay a fee should you see any wildlife in the national parks. Charging to see wildlife? Are you people mad? Paying for when you see an animal on the honor system? I would sooner see a tax increase. I see them every day going down the highway, all kinds of wildlife. Animals are a gift. And yes, our parks need more funding, et cetera, et cetera. But this is, this is not the way to do it. Three words, are you kidding? I'm not going to be paying $110 for the fact that I walked past a herd of elk. Just charging people if they happen to look up and see a woodpecker. A dollar fifty to see a uh, woodpecker, I think, is reasonable. You've got to be kidding me. We can't control what we see, what we don't see. How the heck are we going to tell whether the beaver's male or female and pay more for one or the other? If you see an albino animal, would that make a difference? There should be no fee put on nature. When it's entirely possible that I had no intention at all, of wanting to see an animal. I live in the country and I go hunting. I pay enough to see these animals. I live in the Northwest Territories. There are countless bison, wolves, bear all along the road. It would cost me thousands of dollars to drive in and out of town if, if they do this national park thing. It's nuts. I think the government should really step up its game and give more money to the parks. They really need us get more funding. We have to raise more money for Parks Canada. Thank you. Goodbye. Stoughton, New Brunswick is like most Canadian small towns. It's just off the highway and there's not really much reason to go there. But this resident of Stoughton believes he's made a discovery that will make his town one of the hottest attractions in the region. My name is Reg Thompson. And a few months back, I came across a document uh, held within the city files of a court case that happened in 1791 of a man who went to prison 
right here in Stoughton for saying a profane word. The word Reg is referring to is As soon as I made that discovery, I said to myself, well, I wonder if there's any other cases like this. And I discovered that that is the first instance ever recorded in North America of anybody ever using that word. Invigorated by this discovery, the wheels in Reg's head began to spin. Here's how it works. Once you get known as the birthplace of something, it opens up a whole world of tourism that the town can exploit. You get known as the home of this world. You're going to put up a monument. You're going to have a candy store, pencils, t-shirts, funny hats, fudge. And you put on reenactments of the moment that that Dutchman went to prison for using that word. Three times a day, half hour shows, $20 a head. We do all this stuff at Anna Green Gables and we can do it here too. Because guess what? We're a birthplace. Other word, Of all of Reg's ideas, the one that he is most passionate about is that Stoughton should be building a museum dedicated to not only profanity, but more specifically, the word My name is Donna Thompson. I'm Reg's wife. No, I don't think it's a good idea for that museum that he wants to have. I don't use that word, and Reg himself doesn't use that word. If we had a swear jar in our house, then it will be empty. Do you think that he will get much support from other people in the town for this? Not if I have anything to do with it. Even without Donna's support, Reg is dedicated to seeing that his museum gets built. So much so that he's presenting his idea to the Stoughton City Council. Ladies and gentlemen, at this time, I'd like to turn the floor over to Reg Thompson. Good evening. I have proof that Stoughton is, without a doubt, the very first place in North America to ever use the word... Okay, maybe let's pull back on using the actual word. I guess what I'm saying is that we have something here in Stoughton that makes us different than any other town down the road. And so that means, in my opinion, that we should erect a monument, an interactive center, and, and unless somebody else has a better idea as to how we should get on the map, then they should stand up and say it. We are looking at a gold mine right here. Congratulations. Yes. Again, please. This is an opportunity for this town to put itself on the map. Now, who's with me? (laughs) All right, all right. I think that will wrap it up for this evening. After officially rejecting Reg's proposal, Councilman Tom Groose tells me why Stoughton will not be moving forward with the museum. Uh, It's just something that we don't think would be good for the town at at this time, anyway. Uh, However, we are going to let him... uh, put up a plaque uh, in Riley Park in downtown Stoughton, uh, provided he doesn't use the full word, obviously. So I think we'll make him happy by letting him know that he'll have his plaque. Although Reg is dejected by this news, like a true New Brunswicker, he remains somewhat optimistic. People don't go to a town to see a plaque. Still think I got some support for the fudge, though. Fudge. People buy that. For This Is That, I'm Pat Kelly. Hi, I'm Mark Chavez. I'm one of the hosts of Let's Make a, a comedy docuseries podcast about the creative process. Each season, my co-hosts, Ryan Beal, Maddie Kelly, and I, take on an artistic challenge and you follow our journey. In Let's Make a Sci-Fi, we wrote a science fiction TV pilot. In Let's Make a Rom-Com, we wrote a romantic comedy film. And on our latest season, Let's Make a Horror, we produced a horror short film. And when we run into trouble, we interview Hollywood experts. 
people who have worked on big things like The Blair Witch Project, The Office, Star Wars, Mamma Mia, and more. All three seasons of Let's Make a are available now, wherever you get your podcasts. Herbert Bruce is a music historian considered around the world as one of the most important authorities on Spanish music of the Baroque period. We are always thrilled to have Herbert on the show to discuss music history, and more specifically, the history of some of the world's rare instruments. Herbert, it's wonderful to see you, and welcome back to This Is That. Well, thank you very much uh, for having me back in the studios. It's, it's always such a pleasure to, to return to Radio 1. Now, I think our last visit took place uh, well over two years ago. Mm, I think it was, uh, yes. In Toronto. Yes, I think uh, I was here with a Tamoric drum, am I right? Yes, you were, that's yes, right. the Tamoric uh, drum. Now, where have you been? What have you been up to? Why haven't we seen your face for two years? Well, I've actually uh, been in a small uh, country in the, in the Far East called Maraxnistan which is a small, uh, very sand-based... What were you doing uh, there? Uh, I was there uh, uh, studying uh, uh, an instrument that was found um, uh, called the nishtar. The is, nishtar. Yes, it's, it's, a, it's like a rosewood-made um, guitar, but with no strings and just a mouthpiece. Now, you, you've brought w- another instrument with you here oh, today, and, yes. and I, I wish everyone could see at home uh, the, the stature of this. And mm. I personally can say that I have never seen something like well, this. I, I what am say, I looking at? Yes, you, you probably haven't seen it, of course, because this is a tenor serangi bowed dorma. Okay, mm-hmm. a tenor serangi bowed yes, dorma. So this yes. is not just a dorma, this is a bowed dorma. That what is, is the difference? Correct. Well, of course, uh, a bowed Dorma has a bow. Now, would this would this be considered a wind instrument? Because it seems to me that there's a few. I, I mean, I see strings, and, mm-hmm. uh, and obviously, I see mm-hmm. a, a reed, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, and also elements of uh, perhaps per, a percussion. I'd assume. I'd, ah, mm. good Sherlock, you've done your spying. Yes. Uh, l- let me describe here, uh, if if you're at home, what we're what we're dealing with. This is, a, it's adorned in whalebone around the fretted staff. The body is mostly a yak's bladder. Now, this would be similar to a, a bagpipe, I suppose, as well, far as you're getting the air in. And the, the, the bladder is similar to a, a, a bagpipe. Uh, but then, of course, the bell-shaped opening here that you see is rimmed in, in oyster shell. So it's, it's, it's quite... To make this nowadays would be completely unethical because, of course, you'd have to kill about six animals. I know that we would love to hear it today, and it looks like it, uh, it's quite an effort to get into it, so yes. I, I'll give you a, a moment. If, if you're just uh, tuning in, you're listening to CBC Radio 1. Uh, the program is This Is That, and we're talking to Herbert Bruce, one of the uh, country's foremost music historians, and he's brought a, an instrument that he has found, Can which is over my back, um, my 300 years old. It's called the Tenor Serangi Bowed Dorma, and we are going to hear it now. Uh, I, I need my back pillow. Um, Herbert, are you, are you ready to okay, play? I'm going to have to fill the bladder, so okay. let me just see if I can't... This is Herbert Bruce playing the Tenor Serangi Bowed Dorma. Feather. Feather. 
Isn't that remarkable? That's the dorm. You would not expect that sound to come from that instrument. No, no. And then it seems like it requires a fair bit of energy on your part. It's quite laborious, isn't it? I, I, I always find it amazing that, it, that these were originally played by children. Because, of course, it's close to 200 pounds. Well, Herbert, I want to thank you for coming in today. It is always a pleasure to have you. Thank you so much for having and me here. I, I will say we look forward to your next visit. Oh, thank you very, very much. That was Herbert Bruce, who joined me in studio. He is one of the country's foremost music archaeologists, and he was sharing with us an instrument that he found, which is over 300 years old. It's called the Tenor Serangi Bode Dorma. I think we may have cracked the bowl. Three words. Are you kidding? You must be joking me. It's unreal. This is that. There is nothing more exciting and newsworthy than when a high-profile foreign delegate decides to visit Canada. Well, the country is absolutely buzzing with the news that the Viceroy of Luxembourg has chosen to stop in Toronto on his North American tour. And we're lucky enough to speak with his aide, Mr. Luca Duprel, to learn more about what the Viceroy has planned. And I believe we are connected to go live with uh, Mr. Duprell, right? We are. Okay. Hello, Mr. Duprell. Hello. I'm sorry. You've caught me at an awkward moment. I've just stepped out of the tub. One moment, please. Hello. 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 Hello, Mr. Duprell. Who have I got here? Is this Canada? Uh, Yes, it is. Ah, yes. Okay. Um, Hold on now, please. Uh, yes, so we're not going to be able to make the trip. Unfortunately, we've had to cancel. Sorry about that. I'm sorry? Um, the Viceroy has uh, cancelled his trip. Just get me my other slippers then, because it's freezing in here. And t- turn off that fan, because I'm feeling it. All right. Um, yes, he's not able to come. He's, he's um, had a change of plans. He's not coming at all this year. Uh, well, I guess the first question would be, why, why has he decided to cancel his trip? Uh, are you serious? Come on, he's, he was there for the Olympics. He's not coming. He's found it depressing enough when he was there the first time. So, you know, go with that it, his health is failing and that as soon as he gets the medical go-ahead, blah, 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 then he will be able to come, uh, you know, run with it in whichever way you want. I want the tea then because I am freezing over here. Okay, but... Get me my tea. I think you have to understand that this will become as quite a shock to a lot of Canadians who are excited about his visit and have been on, preparing. I don't want to even talk about this. You certainly, you're not surprised, are you? Yeah. There's a number of places that he's not going that he's supposed to go to. Okay, but why would you make the, the, the plans to come in the first place? Um, I'm sorry, what? Well, I'm just wondering why you would make the plans to come in the first place. It's just, a, you know, it's, you put it out there. It's a press release. It's to save face. It's to seem as though, you know, he's filling his time with whatever international responsibilities people are expecting of, of him. So just here's what we want you to say. You are able to say his health is not good. He's not able to travel right now. This is information that he's been given from his doctors. If his health improves, of course, he will stop by. Are those olives? Listen, I want one with the pit. The ones that he pits. Um, so listen, why don't you chop that together, do whatever you need to with the actual information. I have a photo that I want to send over to you. It's an MP3 uh, of the, vice- the Prime Minister in front of the Peace Arch or some Peace Arch. So 
I'm going to send that over an MP3 file, put that into the press release, and then CC me and then send that out to uh, all the newspapers. Mr. Duprell, I think there's been a, a mix-up in communication. Uh, I, I am not a, a publicist. You're on radio in Canada on a program called This Is That. What? When are we? I don't have this on my schedule. When are we doing this? You're live on the radio right now on CBC Radio 1 in Canada. Right now? Yes. Oh, oh. Hold on a second. Can you? Is there any way that we can? I want to go back over the talking points here because it's our way that we are able to do some editing on this. Oh my! Uh, unfortunately, not, this, sir. Um, um, oh my goodness! Well, un- I want you. Okay, this I'm is sorry, of course unfortunate me, news. This, this is un- the viceroy. He wants to make the announcement that, of course, it is with great disappointment that well, he's unable to travel. I don't think to anyone's going to buy that what? now, sir. I don't think anyone's going to buy that. No, no, no. Now. But just edit this part in and don't run the other part. We can't edit this. This is, this is live. Uh, you're you on live oh, on the radio, oh, sir. The royal medical staff to no, see you have to help me out here. No. Please edit what I'm asking you. No, I'm. So- <laughs> I'm sorry, sir. Uh, I want to thank you for being on the program. <sighs> Uh, that you was. Know, then, if, uh, we have a thing where I am from, which is national. Nice. No, 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 no. And now, a this is that documentary. Forty-three-year-old Bruce Borlander is the kind of guy you could count on for help if you were moving, said Tom Breach, a local Salmon Arm man who calls Bruce a friend. Well, three days ago, Bruce set out for what should have been a fun and routine swim at the public pool. But what was supposed to be a carefree splashabout has turned into a three-day fight for survival. It was a pretty normal day. The pool wasn't that crowded. Lifeguard at the Salmon Arm Sports Center, Kevin Cruz, was there when Bruce's day in the pool went horribly wrong. Bruce was there with his brother, and they were doing some cannonballs that looked to, you know, they were making a splash, and it went on, so I told him to stop. Bruce started swimming laps, which he likes to do, and, and that's fine. And he got to one end, and I heard a lot of people, there was a commotion, and people were rushing over to see something. And then I heard this screaming, and... Uh, I knew it was Bruce's voice, and I thought, oh, no, what is it now? You know, what, what's, it, what's happening? I didn't know how serious it was. So I blew my whistle, and everyone hopped out of the pool, and there's Bruce on his back. Luckily, he was doing a backstroke because his ponytail, his long ponytail, was stuck in the intake. Bruce's 21-inch ponytail had been sucked through the skimmer and had gotten badly tangled in the pool's filtration system. It was like a meat grinder in there, but all of hair. And so I thought... My only option right now, Bruce, you got to get out of the pool. We got to save you. I mean, so I pull out my scissors from my first aid kit, and he grabs my wrist and he says, Don't do it. Don't cut my ponytail. Don't cut my hair. And he's crying. And he starts wailing. He's crying real hard and pushing against the wall. And I think, I can't handle this right now. And that's when I called 911. For 12 years, Bruce had been growing out his long brown hair. Around Salmon Arm, people would often remark at its impressive length. Some people even had a nickname for him, P-Tail. Yeah, yeah, P-Tail uh, is kind of how he was known around town. Everybody knew him, you know, when we were dating, you know, anywhere we went, people would like, want to stop him and just like touch the hair, you know, that kind of thing, or like get a photo or whatever. Bruce's former live-in girlfriend, Tammy Remy. Get a lot of free drinks for you when you're P-Tail's girlfriend, that's all I'm going to say. A lot of free drinks. Does it surprise me that he's refusing to cut his hair? Not one bit. 
Like his whole identity sucked into a tube right now, and that's not something I envy. I, I don't wish that upon him, you know, because we didn't end on the best terms, but I don't wish this on him. So uh, we're, we're pulling for you, buddy. I got it. Dan Borlander, Hello? Bruce's brother, uh-huh. said that the community is united in not cutting his brother's ponytail. Okay, well, thank you very much, Bob. I, I, appreciate, uh, I appreciate the update. But he admits that rescuers are up against the clock. Basically, tomorrow's do or die, you know, for Bruce. Uh, it's just been a hard week, you know. My hats are off to everybody that's been working with him. I mean, everyone's been working so hard to help him keep that hair, you know. Yeah, they tried everything they can. They tried to backwash it out. They tried to flush the pipes with an oil-based solution to just try to grease set pipes and get that hair out, you know. But it's just jammed. It's just it's swole up tight, and Bruce is getting swole, too. On the eve of the final rescue effort, Fire Chief Mark Fraser holds a press conference. Good evening, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I'm here tonight to announce that tomorrow we are going ahead with a rescue plan that I feel uh, very confident in that we will free the victim tomorrow. We will be removing the uh, concrete that is encasing the pipe, which has a hold on Mr. Borlander's ponytail. Once that pipe is free, the uh, pressure should be released and uh, his hair should come loose. I I hope that you all will understand it's been a very trying day, Uh, so there will be no questions at this time, and uh, we will all see you tomorrow morning, and and I hope your thoughts are with Bruce at this time. Thank you. As night falls before the final rescue push in the morning, I have the opportunity to speak candidly to Bruce about the past three days. I'll just do it right here. Can you help me get a smoke? Huh? Get a cigarette? Yeah, just hold it. Let me get a drag of a smoke, man. You gotta pull on it. There you go. There you go. That's nice, man. Bruce, you know, emergency services have told us that, you Uh know, they, they could very easily... Cut the ponytail. They yeah. could they could free you by cutting your hair. But this is something that you've said. No, I don't want you to do. Why? It's me, man. It's me. And once I heard that the community agreed with that, I was like, no way. If this is what. Not only I self-identify with, but the people of Salmon Arab do too. Leave it on, man. Can we get somebody else going down? No, wait, sir, sir. Are you okay? Are you okay? Wait up my nose. At first light, the rescue operation is underway. Bruce, we're gonna get you on there, bud, okay? But I need you to stay calm. A crowd of onlookers gather to give their support to Bruce and the team of rescuers. All right, everybody, listen to me. 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 Listen and in desperate need for food, Bruce is finally freed from the pool's grip, and I'm happy to say that his hair, although dry and damaged, is intact. As residents of Salmon Arm breathe a collective sigh of relief, Bruce's daring rescue reminds us all of the power of community 
and the Canadian willingness to rally around those of us in our greatest hour of need. Your ponies all there still close Bobby, grab my feet! Grab my feet, Bobby! Grab my feet! From historic Old Town Salmonar, I'm Peter Oldring, keeping my head above the water. Well, that was another episode of This Is That from CBC Podcasts. This show was created and performed by me, Pat Kelly. And by me, Peter Oldring. With additional voices supplied by... Chris Redman, Mary Pat Farrell, and Lauren Ash. Production support by Kelly and Kelly. Head of production, Lauren Berkovich. Senior producer and sound designer, Chris Kelly. Additional editing by Max Collins. Special thanks to Mike Belazzo, Kurt Sweden, and Chris Straw. Roshni Nair is our digital coordinating producer. Executive producers are Cecil Fernandez and Chris Oak. Tanya Springer is the senior manager of CBC Podcasts, and Arif Nurani is the director. Thanks for listening, and remember, if it's not this, then it must be that. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.